Success is not final. Failure is not final. It is the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill. It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. My guest today is Jeff Smith. Jeff is an international keynote speaker. He's a world-renowned KPI expert. We'll find out what that means here in a moment. He's a number one best-selling author. He's a master business trainer and a virtual broadcaster. Jeff joins us from England. Jeff Smith, welcome to the Time with Fred podcast today. Fred, I'm just honored and blessed to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. The pleasure certainly is all mine, Jeff. Impressive bio, great things, powerful story. But Jeff, as we're sharing earlier on, oftentimes behind all the success, right? All the great things that people do. There is always a powerful story. There is a journey. Uh, there is a life transforming story that they had to live or that, that they had to go through to get to where they are. And you're no exception. Can you take us back a little bit and, and what brought you to where you are today? Okay. Um, I went to high school. I wasn't interested. I failed at maths and English, didn't get grades. Um, why? It's because when I was younger, around 10 years old, I started playing keyboards. And the only thing I wanted to do was play keyboards. That, 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 that is it. I just wanted to play music and I really was not interested in anything else. So I go to history lessons and you're talking who was the 10th King of England. I think, how is this going to serve me? The downside of this, I had wonderful parents, a wonderful childhood. I was loved, but in terms of school, uh, they, they didn't show any interest in my school. So I was allowed to be lazy. I can't think of a better way to say it, you know, that was it. So going through high school, I, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't care. I just wanted to play music. So when it got to the end of school life, I, I just wanted to leave. And I did with very little, very few qualifications. What I actually did then, I got an apprenticeship as a mechanical and electrical electrician. And part of that role was I needed to go to college. When I went to college, the things I was doing at college related to my job was interesting. And I thought, I get this. So I did it and scored really, really well, really, really well, really high in the 90% markers. So I'm not saying I failed high school because I was dumb and stupid. I'm saying I wasn't coached. I wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to play music. So let me fast forward that. I qualified as a mechanical and electrical electrician. And then one day, what happened? It was my mum and dad's 25th wedding anniversary. So now we're going back to around 1976. So I'm an old guy, right? So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 16 years old, 17 years old at this stage. And what happened then? 
mum and dad organise a band, you know, and they got all the friends to come to their social club. And halfway through the evening, when it's um, a, an anniversary, there's a special dance called the Anniversary Waltz, and, and the mum and dad, uh, the, the, well, the husband and wife, I should say, my mum and dad, take to the dance floor, and they dance to this thing called the Anniversary Waltz. And it's live music. However, before this happened, I went up to the stage and I spoke to the guy and I said, the anniversary waltz that you're going to play for my mum and dad? I said, yeah. I said, is it okay if I play it? I'm a keyboard player. And uh, they said, sure. Now, I'm this small, quiet guy. And they said, are you sure you can play? And I said, yeah, I'll play it for my mum and dad. And they said, okay, after the break, we'll introduce you. Well, we'll get your mum and dad to come onto the dance floor first. And then we'll bring you from the side of the stage. And then you can play the anniversary waltz for your mum and dad. I thought, okay, cool. So that happened. My mum and dad were called to the dance floor. I then walked from the side, sat behind the keyboard, and I played with the band, the anniversary waltz. I mean, you can imagine my mum and dad, they were sobbing because of their own situation, but to have their youngest son play music for them as well, it was touching, it was wonderful. And they had no idea that you were going to be doing Oh, no, no, they had no idea. They had no idea. So what happened then? <clears throat> um, unbeknownst to me, there was a music agent who was uh, you, who worked for my dad, and he was part of the the audience there. So I came off stage. He came over to me, and he went, "Oh my goodness, you're an incredible player!" And Fred, I'd just played at home before that, so yes, I was good. Yes, I enjoyed it, but I only did it for my own enjoyment. So he said, "I'd like you to do some gigs and and play." in clubs and things like that. No, I'm not interested. Now, let me put this into context now. So I'm almost, I almost finished my apprenticeship and my salary at the time was seven pounds a week, almost eight pounds a week. And this guy said, I want you to do some gigs. And I said, I'm not really interested. He said, I'll start you off three nights. And I said, ah, no. And he said, bear in mind, I'm earning seven pounds a week. He said, I'll pay you 40 pounds a night wow. for three nights a week to get you started. Uh, what? And I'm 18 years old, I think, something like this. And I think, what? Let me think about this. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's more than 10 times what you're making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I called my dad over and I said, uh, here's what's happening. So, and he said, well, we don't have to answer right now. We'll come back to you. And my dad said, you need to finish your um, qualifications as um, electrician, mechanical electrician first. Then we can look at this, which is what I did. And um, <coughs> so a long story short, I became a professional musician. And yeah, and I was earning a lot of money then. And I did this up until the age of 23. But what happened? And this is important to, the, to, to what we're talking about now. 
from a young age, all I wanted to do was play music. That, that was it. I climbed the ladder of success, Fred, only to realize it was leaning up the wrong wall. So I, I was a session musician. I used to play 10 hours a day. I used to work in nightclubs and back cabaret. I was really good. But I fell out of love with it. It became work. It became a job. I didn't like it anymore and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I quit. Age 23. So how many people in life strive to do something and then when they get there, they find this is actually not what I want. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about that a little later as well, because it's all part of the success journey. So I just quit. And that was 1983, 84, and I've not played since. Wow. I don't play now. I don't play at all. So what I did then, <clears throat> I didn't know what to do. So I just thought, well, I've earned some money. I don't have to work. And I was living at home with my mom and dad. I, I just need to rest my head and f find my true north. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What is it that I need to do to, to be fulfilled within myself? And I didn't know. And rather than chase that and put pressure upon myself, I thought I'm at an age where I don't have to. I can take a couple of months under the protection of my mom and dad's umbrella, you know, and I had money anyway. So my dad said, yeah, that's OK, but you need to get your ass into gear. You, you need to find a job. I said, yeah, sure. So I, would, I just looked in the newspaper, car salesman required. Uh, commission-based, and I thought, well, I'll do that, um, not necessarily as a career, but just start getting my head sorted. So I went along for the interview, got the job, started, and that was my beginnings to the automotive industry. And then I worked my way to be the number one guy in the world, in the industry. Two years later, I get promoted to be sales manager. I was really good at it. Two years later, I get promoted to be general manager, dealer principal. So now I'm running this fully fledged car dealership. Two years later, I'm a direct board director of 10 dealerships. And this is where key performance indicators came in. And I was winning awards and all kinds of things, best in franchise, sales records, and all of these things. And I thought everyone else was using key performance indicators. But I then discovered they didn't. So press the pause button. What are key performance indicators? That's what we need to know now. Yes, I was going to ask you that for those <laughs> who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so KPI, key performance indicators. Our lives are actually filled with key performance indicators. So if you look at a car dashboard, you've got the fuel gauge, you've got uh -huh. the speedo, your rev counter, and these are all, all measuring two pieces of information, really. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And how long is it before you get there or your journey towards that? Now, whether that's running a service department, a workshop, whether it's selling cars, 
whether it's how long you're standing on stage and speaking, these are all key performance indicators. So they give us an idea of where we are and where we want to be and how we're doing at this moment in time. We can look at it in a financial perspective or any kind of perspective. You can be on a diet, I weigh this much, I want to lose weight to that much, you weigh yourself every week. They're, they're key performance indicators. So the key performance indicators are rich pieces of information that give you guidance about which direction to take, whether you're still on that path and whether you're achieving your goals. Yeah, I've got to take you back a little bit, but you, you talk about such a, a powerful journey, right? From, you know, playing the instrument and then finding this job as a, as a car salesperson. And oftentimes we, we go through life and we have our minds and our hearts set on a particular destination and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes sure. we go along some of these detours in life and we have no idea what these detours mean, right? We just, we just go along, you know, we, some of us loathe the experiences that come because not all of those are pleasant experiences, but would it be fair to say that out of those detours, out of those ups and downs are sometimes hidden what we're called to do in life? Or do they um, shape who we become in life? You know, um, I'm, I, I'm, yes, is the short answer. So I have two daughters and when one of my daughters was 10 years old, she said, daddy, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Do you think I should know now? And here's what I said, Fred. I said, my darling, don't worry about it because of half of what you could be hasn't even been invented yet. And that's what happens on these detours, Fred. The world we live in now is hugely different to how it was 30 years ago. In fact, more change has happened in the world in the last 30 years than in the whole of humanity. And what happens, to come back to what you said, we go on these detours and we stumble across something and we go, hey, I like this. In fact, I actually love this. And to be honest, Fred, music was a detour for me. I really didn't want to play. It was my dad that wanted to play. And it's just that I picked things up quicker than he did, as kids do. So he said, you carry on with the, with the music lessons. So I did. Uh, so that was a detour within itself. So when we go on to, to the selling of cars, this detour I actually discovered something that I loved. And this was the journey into key performance indicators. So yes is the answer. We go on these detours and we fall across these things and we think, wow. And for me, I think that's my gift. That's my purpose. This is what I was born to do. Yeah. But I didn't wake up one day and go, yeah, I want to be yeah. a business strategist. Yeah. You know, it was just it's a gift. Yeah. It's um, all part of the journey. Yeah. yeah what a, what a, yeah. what a powerful self discovery. So backtrack to when I was a musician, my dad was the the manager of the largest machine shop in Europe, very intelligent guy and helped solve problems and build bridges all over the world. 
very, very intelligent guy. But Fred, we were broke. I won't say we were poor, because poor is a state of mind. We were broke. That was a state of pocket. And I thought, how is it that my dad is super intelligent guy and we broke? And there are other people who are, let me say, less intelligent, who are millionaires and multimillionaires. What causes the difference? And what happened when I was a musician, I sold a keyboard. Let me put this into context. The house that we were living in was a council house. It's owned by the state. So we'd pay rent to the local council. We couldn't afford to buy it. And the cost of the house then was £2,000. And my dad couldn't afford to buy it. One day, I sold a keyboard. And it was Technic's top of the range gear. It was £4,000. So double the price of my house. Wow. So, yeah. So during the day, I used to work in a store and sell these things. And then during the night, I used to go to nightclubs and play. So this guy, he arrives at the store. He's in a Porsche 911 Targa, you know, beautiful car, pulls up outside. He walks in, you know, and he says, what's the biggest organ you've got? So I said, right, come over here. So I showed him this piece, this kit. He buys it. So he said, I have a request. I said, sure. I'd like you to bring it to my home and I'd like you to set it up and play it for me. I said, sure. I said, but I also have a request. And he said, what's that? I said, we must have cleared funds before we do that. He said, it's no problem. So this was the Thursday, Fred. He said, I'll come in on the Saturday and I'll pay for it. Can you deliver it on the Monday for me? Sure. So long story short, that happened. I go to his house and this is 1988, 89, something like that. And he's got electric gates and a video thing. It's surveillance like, system. Yeah. And it's wow. It, 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 um, wow. I can't think of any way to explain it. So I go into his house, double oak doors, and I remember putting my foot inside his front door, and my foot sank into this lush carpet, and I'd never experienced anything like it. Oh wow. And I took this thing in and he got a big uh, grand piano there and we set this keyboard up and I played it for him. And his house was U-shaped. Don't know how much it was worth. Have no idea. And I'm thinking, this guy's obviously made a lot of money. Good for him. And was his was name real. Richard Branson, by the way? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was really old. He was about 40. <laughs> And here's my dad with nothing, a super intelligent guy. And here's this guy who's just paid cash twice the value of our house. And I'm thinking, now, come on, how does this happen in life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of my journey. I decided what causes successful people to be successful. But then it was what causes a millionaire to be a millionaire? Because as a, as a kid, as I was then, 18, 19 years old, um, wealth is attributed to be success. We, we all know it's not the case now, but then it was, how does a millionaire become a millionaire? Mm -hmm. So I formally interviewed 325 millionaires. Mm. 
I also interviewed lots of famous people because I was exposed to them with music. I formalized over time my own questionnaire, and this is where I found out they all did 11 things in common. Some of them knew what they were doing and did it very consciously. Others had no idea. It was just innate. It was just something that they did, and it worked for them. So I thought, okay, I have insurmountable evidence that these 11 steps are common to successful people. So if I apply them to my life, maybe I can be successful too. And hey, presto, here we go. I've achieved what it is that I wanted to achieve in life. So now you want to know, Fred, I know. Yes, I'm, I'm curious. Are I'm these ready. 11 steps? <laughs> I'm ready, and I'm sure our listeners ready. are ready too. <laughs> right. Step number one. 98% of people can't do this. And I've worked on this for 40 years now. So I can convincingly say 98% of people can't do step number one. Are you ready? Yes. Here it is. What do you want? That's step number one. Most people do not know what they want. They have an idea of things they would like. Now, let me explain how that is completely different to knowing what you want and how successful people frame this. If I say to people, what do you want? The most common answer I get, I want more money. That would be my dream. So what I then do, I put my hand in my pocket, I take out a dollar bill and I <laughs> give it to them. <laughs> And I say, there you are, your dreams, they're fulfilled. And I'm super happy that you're laughing because that's the whole point. Yeah. They look at me and they go, Jeff, no, that's not what I meant. I mean, I said, whoa, hold it there. You weren't said, specific. You just said money. Yeah. And, and specificity, Fred, that is the answer to everything. And now here's the difference. People who are less successful say, I want more money. I want to win the lottery and generic things like that. People who are successful will say something like this. I want a million dollars. But they won't just say a million dollars because a million dollars can manifest itself in many different ways. It could be in assets. It could be in all kinds of things. So typically this is what I've seen. I want a million dollars on the 10th of June, 2022, I want to open my post, take out my bank statement, and on my bank statement there, there'll be a number of transactions, but there'll be one very specific one saying, the balance on my account on the 10th of June, 2022, will be $1 million. And that's how specific they are. Mm. They'll even put a time on it of, I'm going to open this envelope at, at midday at 12, and it's going to say a million dollars. And that's how specific they are. Now, if you take that and put it to something that's non-monetary, it could be, I'm a salesperson and I want to be a sales manager, or I want the next step on the promotional ladder or or anything in life, Fred. It's about specificity. Mm. How do you want it and when do you want it? 
And that's what most people can't do. It's the lack of specificity that's missing from most people's goals. And there's another reason why they can't be specific or they struggle to find specificity. And it's the reason I got to be a very accomplished musician and found the ladder of success was leaning up the wrong wall. Why was that? It's because it wasn't my passion. I was good at it. I got paid for it. But I was unfulfilled. It wasn't my passion. And what happened with my work as an electrician, that wasn't my passion. Although I got paid for it and was good at it, I was too young to make a difference. But when I came to the automotive industry and grew, I discovered key performance indicators. And it was like a light illuminating me from the inside. It was, I, I just love this. And, and I was really, really good at it. Here's the bonus. I actually got paid for it as well. So when you can get the three things aligned, when you can find your purpose or your passion, align and be good at it, mm -hmm. and also be paid for it, that's yes. utopia, absolute utopia. And I think what people struggle with in life in finding their specificity and they don't know is because they don't know about those three things and how they need to interact with each other. So like yourself, I do mentoring with people to help people to find their passion, to find their purpose. And unless you have that, you won't get on to step one, which is about what do you want? That's a very powerful concept here, Jeff. And, and I, I, I feel like I'm in class. I feel like this podcast is for me personally. I, I don't know about our listeners, but I feel like this is for me. Um, but you often hear, and I've heard this uh, many times, and I love that specificity. I have a, a, a dream book and I have goals, specific goals in them. You often hear the argument made that, well, what if I'm, I make these goals and, and they don't come true? Who knows what tomorrow is? Why go through the trouble of detailing life? Why go through the stress of, of, of being that specific? Why don't you just go with the flow, K sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And then if it happens, it happens. What is meant to be is meant to be. Mm -hmm. I've heard that so many times. I have my own thoughts, but let's hear yeah. it from you. Yeah, I can tell you exactly what's missing from that because I've seen it so often. It's, it's a like to have. It's not a need to have. There's no passion there. There's no purpose there. It's, yeah, I'd, I'd like a nice boat. I'd like the Porsche 911. And if it comes, great. You know, but I'm not going to put my life on the line for it. You understand the difference, Fred? Mm -hmm. There's a like to have, and there's when you get your passion and your purpose in life, nothing is going to stop you. So let's come on to the book. So I was not interested at school. I failed at math. I failed at English. And I'm the most successful author in the world on a book about mathematics. Mm. Why? How did that happen? It's about key performance indicators. I 
traveled this journey within the automotive industry, I'd learned or taught myself really about business strategy and how things work. And I got to a position where I've done really well. And the understanding of key performance indicators of, and business strategy is a gift. I'm just blessed with it. I didn't have to work at it. I don't know where it comes from. But all the only thing I knew, Fred, inside, I deeply wanted to give back, to contribute back, to help other people who would follow me. And I can feel my spine tingling now. I, I had no idea how to write a book, but I knew that writing a book would help other people who would follow in my path and there's no one else to teach them. So I've been given this book and uh, sorry, I've been given this skill and I have then the burden to carry to write this book. I had to do it. I don't know why I had to do it, but I had to do it now. It wasn't easy. So now let's come to the subject really of Fred and your podcast. What stopped me from what stopped me from doing it and how did I carry on? So I decided to write a book, a guy that's failed at math, failed at English. How do you go about writing a book? I have no idea. So I just started writing and it wasn't going anywhere. So I thought, okay. I need to have specificity on my goal here. And the more specific you are with your goal is what makes the difference with success and failure. And it took me between two and three months to get clarity on my goal. And from day one, I said, this book will be done. I'm going to have it in the hands of other people mm -hmm. within one year. And now I'm counting down. Three months time, I still hadn't written a word. And I was sharing my goal with everyone. Oh, I'm writing this book. Yeah, and everyone's getting excited and things like this. So my neck was in the noose. Um, I wasn't worried about losing face and things like this, but by sharing my goal with other people, it motivated me. And I was believing myself, this could be possible. We'll have to do it now, write it. <laughs> so this carried on. And, and my goal, I used to write out by hand each day, and it was about 200 words. So, it, so, so most people... Oh, I want to earn $10,000 a week. Their goal is like so short and you need to be absolutely clear on your goals. That's what gets you through adversity. So what happened? I started writing. It didn't work out. But was what was in my goal was... I'd created the advertisement for the book first. And I think anyone, anyone who's listening now who's thinking of writing a book, here's what to do. People think I'm going to write a book and then sell it. No, you're not. Well, you're going to sell your book first. You're going to write your advertisement first. 
and then when you've got it nailed that's when you write the book you write the book mm. yeah so most people get that the wrong way around so that's what i did i wrote the advertisement and 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 i wrote down what people would say when they read the book when they hold it how where they would keep it where on the bookcase i see behind you you have a bookcase i he i even visualized where my book would be and it wouldn't be on your bookcase it'd be on your desk or in your briefcase it'd be precious to you so it's hardback it's gold leaf on the lettering it's pristine yeah. and uh, and all of these things so those that specificity and that passion of my own goal was my guiding light for the words that i wrote and what happened i tried it first time it didn't work out because it, the words and the 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 flow and the emotion and the passion didn't fit the advertisement that i'd written for it so i had to scrap it and start again it was the seventh attempt, Fred. The seventh attempt before I cut. Now I've got it. Eureka. I found the formula. I found my voice. I found a way where this book now fits the advertisement for the audience. So I then wrote it. So my goal was for one year and I completed it in 364 days. Um, and then it started selling way more. To give you an idea on volumes and things, I was only looking at the UK at the time, and I think the market was 5,000 copies, 5,000 people. So I thought, if I can reach 20% of those and make a difference and change their lives, that would be a good contribution, right? So that would be a 1,000 books. Well, I sold a 1,000 books within three months, I think. Now it's, I stopped counting over 100,000 copies and I've written seven. Have your goal with absolute specificity. For me, it was about giving to others. So I'm committed because I was blessed with this gift of understanding and creating useful key performance indicators. So. I, because I'd been blessed with it, it's my duty to give it to those people who, who needed it more. And, and this I, is only step number one, Jeff. And we, yeah, we, yeah. we're way, and, and I feel like this ought to be a two or three part series. So we're, we're going to continue <laughs> because I want to hear all about that. So this is, and, and yeah. it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, you know, I love how you talked about, you know, seeing, you know, the cover of the lettering and, and, mm -hmm. and, and I, I get that. So it's great to hear that from you. You talked about us connecting and I'm not sure when or how this is going to happen, but I'm visualizing me now visiting you in, in, in England with my family and st standing in front of your aircraft and taking a picture and we're all standing in front of the aircraft and I have a caption saying, having fun visiting my friend Jeff Smith in England. We met a year ago. He extended an invitation and here we are about to that's how my mind is working out. It may not, uh, not sure when and how, but I'm thinking about okay. it now as we speak. Right. Here's the important thing, and do keep recording. Don't edit this bit because this you've, you've just said something key and fundamental. People have a goal and they worry about the how. Mm. Now, what you just said 
It's going to be in a year's time. I'm going to be standing by an aircraft. I don't know how. And that's exactly the right thing to say because you don't have to worry about the how. I don't want to get into religion or anything like that. Let's just say the universe. Right. The universe provides. And I don't know how this stuff happens. I have no idea how it happens. But there have been times where, let me use an example for the book. I'm struggling to write something or I'm struggling to get a real complex idea made simple. So I ask the universe when I go to bed, I need help to, to, to get this. And then quite often I'll wake up at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning and I have the answer. Whoa. Where does it come from? Now, the same rules apply, Fred. Specificity. The universe can't provide for you unless you know how to ask for it. Whoa. So having goals and being specific is what it's all about. How you achieve it, you don't have to worry about that yet. This, this underscores another important point, yeah, because there is yeah. also that false sense of uh, modesty. And, and I would dare say that this most of times has to do with um, our upbringing, you know, the culture in which we grew up in and, and, and the social constructs, right, or cultural constructs that we formulated in our minds. And, and that tends to limit us. Um, I share a very powerful story in my book um, about growing up as a teenager and, you know, didn't, you know, weren't wealthy by any means, but come back home from wherever I went to and there's a can of milk and I, I use the whole thing. My dad, who, <laughs> you know, um, middle, middle class worker got upset with me for consuming a whole can of milk and pronounced certain words or said that you're, you're going to grow up and realize how difficult it is to afford a can of milk. And I rejected it. I rejected it immediately, Jeff. In my spirit, in my mind, I was like, there is absolutely no way I'm going to struggle to provide for my family or let alone buy a can of milk. And thankfully, I haven't. Mm -hmm. But it's, I say this because there is a sense of false sense, I might add, of, of, of modesty that keeps a lot of people stuck, whatever, yep. in that state of mind. And so we can't seem to go past our immediate confines because in our minds, this is extravagant, this is opulence, this is whatever. But until we learn to challenge those paradigms and, and constructs or, or whatever it is, those limitations that we have in our minds, we can't get to where we want to get to. We're stuck. And that's where I think a lot of people are in their lives, not because they don't have what it takes, but because in their minds, there is a cap or there is a limitation as to how far they can go. I agree. And what I normally find when I talk to people through a mentoring session like this is that condition has usually been given by someone else and quite often the parents, as it was in your case. And breaking through that belief and a new paradigm is... Uh, it is the gateway to take mm. you to the next part. Paradigm is, is a wonderful phrase. I want to take 
a minute just to explain, just to ensure we know what we're saying when we please say go, please a, go a ahead. paradigm. Yeah. So a, a paradigm is where, or a paradigm shift, should I say, is where what we thought to be true is no longer true. And evidence comes forward that breaks your belief. And it's life-shattering, completely, totally life-shattering. Now, let me give you an example of a, of a real paradigm uh, that, that we can relate to. So 500 years ago, people used to believe the Earth was flat. Now, I can subscribe to that because you stand on a beach, you look out to the ocean, you see the horizon and you think, well, if I was on a ship and kept going, I'm going to fall off the edge. I mean... I mean, perfectly logical, totally get that. And that was the belief 500 years ago. It was also the belief that the Earth was the centre of everything and the sun and the planets and everything revolved around us. And of course, yes, we are the centre of it all. And I can subscribe to that too. But then this guy called Galileo, he invented the telescope. Yeah, famous, famous mathematician. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> and there's another guy called Copernicus. Mm -hmm. um, they came through with their stuff that proved that we were not the center of the universe. And we are revolving around the sun. Uh, Isaac Newton came forward with this thing called gravity. And planet Earth is spherical. And now he's gone, wow, the Earth is not flat. We're not the center of everything. We're moving around. We're spherical. We're being held on this ball by gravity. I mean, it was so life-changing. Galileo was imprisoned from the age of 35 for the rest of his life. He was under house arrest and was never, ever released. Copernicus was persecuted and never released his book on um, the planets and, and how we circle and all that stuff until the last day of his life. He was afraid to release it. So whew, paradigms and paradigm shifts, people use these words lightly and shouldn't because they're such a massive, massive big deal now when we look at paradigm shifts in business this is quite fascinating so there are three things in businesses that cause them to fail so i need to ask you a question now fred so you mentioned this is really interesting stuff maybe we should do another podcast so do i do give you the short version or do i introduce it and we'll fix up another podcast for a later session which way do you prefer we can introduce it. I mean, this is already going to be a multi-part series because we're we're <laughs> we're we've not even touched on the other ten billion. We're still at number one. So yeah. Okay. So three things in business that causes business to fail. Number one, inertia. This is where new things come along. Um, humanity. We do not like change. We hate change and we will resist change until we have to change. So inertia. So a new idea comes along in business 
and you get people say, I know I should change, but I'm not going to. In truth, you don't hear that. People don't really say that. Here are the most seven expensive words in business. You give a new idea and here are the seven most expensive words. But we've always done it this way. Now, there's evidence of inertia in action. What they're really saying is, I don't want to change. We've always done it this way. So that's that's one of the one of the three reasons for failure in business. The second reason is procrastination. Yes, I accept we need to change and I will change. I'm just a little bit busy at the moment. So I need to get all this other stuff done. I'll get to it tomorrow. And does it ever get done? Well, no, because it just gets put off until another time. So we've got inertia, procrastination. The third one, new paradigms. So new paradigms come along in business and this is the dangerous one. This is the big one because new paradigms come along. People don't often recognize them. And when they don't recognize them, they fail to adjust and the world goes by. Let me give you some examples of paradigms. You remember a company called Kodak? Yes. So they made cameras, right? Yes. They also had uh, arguably the best photographic paper and photographic chemicals in the world. Huge, massive company. So and then along comes the internet. So someone invents digital cameras and photo sharing on the internet. So then no one prints photographs anymore. Well, I, when I was younger, I'm interested in photography. I had a 35 millimeter camera, take my film out, take it to the camera store to be developed. A couple of days later, go and pick up my Kodak snaps and all printed on paper. And then all of a sudden, no one does that anymore. But Kodak continued to develop better paper. They continued to develop better chemicals. But no one's using them. So they went bust. Here's the interesting thing. Do you know who invented the digital camera and photo sharing? It's Kodak. Kodak. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> the technical guys inside of Kodak invented the digital camera. They invented photo sharing, put it onto the net. But the, let's say, the management team or the board failed to recognize this new paradigm and continued making better paper, better chemicals. That's, that's a that's sad it. one. That's, yeah. that, that ought to be painful because it's not like they, they didn't see it. They, they, they had the vision, they had the idea, but they were, they were drowned by that's, that's... Inertia, procrastination, procrastination. and paradigms. paradigms. Those are the three wow. biggest... And I, I go into huge companies all over the world and I see it the whole time. And the thing is, people don't see it themselves. Wow. Let, let's talk about the, the other 10 skills if we have the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let, let's go up to number three. 
We missed number two, though, I think. I didn't yeah, 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 two. yeah. I mean, okay. let's do number one, number two. Okay, number got it. So number one is to know what you want. Specificity, yeah. Yeah, specificity with absolute clarity. Number two is to write it down. Mm. Now, I don't mean type it on your computer. I mean, do what you're doing now, get a pen and paper and write it down. Something happens when we take a pen and we write stuff on paper. It's quite different to typing it and seeing it on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. So know what you want, be very specific and write it down. How frequently should you write it down? How long does it take to develop a habit? The answer to that is 21 days. So if you want to do something new, if you do something every day for 21 days, after 21 days, it becomes a habit. Personally, I extend it to 30 days. I've heard 30, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you have your goal, bear in mind when you write it out the first time, the chances of it being 100% perfect, complete, and filled with clarity is quite low. And the act of writing it down and writing it down every day causes you to think about things and the universe delivers. You get more clarity. So each time you write it down and you're asking for more clarity, more specificity, it comes and your goal changes or becomes more specific over that 30-day period. Now, for me, it took me... 90 days on my first book because I was still searching to find what it is that I really wanted. So it took me 90 days of searching. Then I had it. Inter I'll share a story with you. I did a podcast with a lady a few weeks ago and she said, uh, I want to talk about your book, Jeff, because I've written a book. And I said, wow, congratulations. She said, no, hold on there. Because everything you've said about your goals and everything here it's like as you said earlier fred it's like this is like a lesson for me because i i set my goal i'm going to write a book and i wrote the book i completed the book and now i have a garage full of books unsold <laughs> and i said you know why that was and she said no and it's a great book and i can't sell it and i said because your goal was to write a book and then your goal was fulfilled. People ask for more money. I give them a dollar bill. Their goal is fulfilled. Your goal was to write a book. You've written a book. And she, she began to cry. And I said, what your goal ought to have been is the book is merely the conduit. The content of the book is really there to help people. And what you need to do is to get people to invest in themselves and part of that is their book and that's the conduit to help them and she started crying she says you're absolutely right but in my goal i just said i want to write a book and i said well the universe delivered on what you asked for you didn't have enough clarity and if you backtrack on what i said about my goal and my writing it was seven attempts at writing my book before I found my voice. 
So it's, it's getting the specificity on the goal, step one. Step two, write it down by hand. Step three, there's three R's here. here. There's three parts to this one, three R's. Review, react, revise. What does that mean? So step one, be specific. Step two, write it down. Step three, step three, review it. Here we go. React or respond, whichever word you prefer. Then revise. Keep changing it until it fits and, and aligns with your purpose in life, your passion in life, what you're good at, maybe what you get paid for. Depends if you want to do this for a living or not. Don't wait until you're ready. You're never going to be ready. Do it anyway. Say yes, and then as you develop, you'll find the skills that you need. If you wait until you're ready, the opportunity will be gone. In the meantime, is it okay if I give your listeners a free gift to begin them on this Absolutely. journey? Is, is yes. that okay? Okay, so my website address is www.jeff-smith.com forward slash and then free gift. And your listener can have this free gift with my pleasure. And what it's about is to help you to find your purpose. Remember we spoke earlier about yes. these three things. So it, it's it's a diagram. You can download a PDF. There's a very short uh, animation you can watch. But it's a Venn diagram that, that shows you how to do that. Once you understand that, we can then move it on to understanding success. Is there a formula? Yes. And I'm going to share it with you on the next episode. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the Time with Fred podcast. This is one of those, actually the only podcast that makes me feel like I'm in class and, and I don't want it to end, but we know every good thing must come, but we're not ending. This is just the end of part one. Uh, we're going to come back with part two. We're going to talk about the rest of the skills because I want to know every single one of them, but this has been such valuable lessons uh, for me. And I trust that it's been for you, our listeners as well. So stay tuned. We'll be, right, we'll be back next time with part two of this discussion with Jeff Smith.